Good morning, everyone. God bless you all for coming this morning. Um, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's come before him in faith, believing that uh, he will speak to us this morning in a way that, won't, that won't fill our heads, but fills our hearts. And if, if you've come this morning and you're really seeking after God, I believe God will not disappoint you and that he will speak to you and he will make his word and his will and his way known to you this morning. So let's bow our heads in faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we come before you because there is nowhere else to go. You are indeed the truth. And Lord God, we know that we have a heart that often strays to go its own way and it often deceives us, making us feel and believe that this is the right way till we find our path leading to death. But it is by your mercy and by your Holy Spirit that you would lead us and guide us. And we depend on this, Lord God. We gather every Sunday. We gather every time together, Father, around your word, because we know your word is the light to our feet. And we come before you with hearts that are eager, hungry, wanting so much to know your ways, not our will, but your truth, not our, our thoughts, Father. We, we commit this morning to you, Lord God, by your grace and goodness. We ask you to cast the devil away. Shield us, Father, for this hour or two, Lord God, as we look into your word and speak to our life and feed our soul, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. 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 Let's um, turn our attention to Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Um, if there's anything you want to in- accuse us of in this church, probably be something like along the lines that you always talk about Jesus. You always talk about Jesus. Is that all you ever talk about, Jesus? You know? I actually find that uh, my greatest peace and my greatest joy is actually just talking about Jesus more so than any other thing in the Bible. You know, sometimes we intertwine and, and, and merge through in and out of the Old Testament and doctrines and teachings. And sometimes I like just to talk about Jesus. I just want to talk about Jesus. I find that is for me a place of peace, a place of rest. I don't have to kind of theologically try to wrestle stuff out. I just want to talk about Jesus. And this morning is that place of rest and resort for me. I just want to talk about Jesus. And I want to talk to you about the most beautiful day that took place in the life of Jesus, like in the day of Jesus Christ. And it's found in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 28. And I want to read this for you. And if we just draw our attention now, I don't know, I don't even remember what versions I use anymore, to be honest. So you'll have to correct me on the version that I'm reading this morning. Because sometimes when I read the scriptures, I flip and flop through different versions so that I get a a deeper understanding and I don't know where I land. So when I've copied and pasted this verse, um, if you've got an NIV or if you've got an ESV or a King James, please just follow through with whatever version I'm reading if you can. But Mark chapter 16 verse 28. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. 
And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. Obviously the King James Version, right? (laughs) Come you after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straight away they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straight away he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straight away on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, you Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And verse 27, And they were all amazed, insomuch as they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he, Jesus Christ, the unclean spirits, and they actually obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee and today his fame is spread about the whole entire world. And that one day in verse 16 he walked by the sea of Galilee. What a beautiful day that would have been. I imagine it in my head a beautiful blue sky, a bright sun and the sea is out there while people were doing their work like a holiday. Now, I wonder if it was a holiday, right? For us, it would probably be a holiday because we're by the bay, we're by the sea. That's what we do, right? That's where we go. But eventually, those things don't become a holiday anymore when you live there and you're in it and that becomes life. Is that right? Like these guys here, Jesus looks out, he's walking by the sea. What a beautiful day that is. Indeed, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. He's walking by the sea and he sees fishermen. And it's going to be a good day. Today is going to be a good day. This morning is going to be a good morning. You know that? It's going to be a good day, guys. Because Jesus walks the pews. He's walking through, in and out, interweaving into your hearts and into your minds. And today is going to be a good day. In fact, the Bible says this. When it talks about the day, it talks, this is the day which the Lord has made in Psalms. Let us rejoice and be glad in it because something is about to happen when Jesus walks by. Corinthians, Paul says, the acceptable time, behold, now. The acceptable time, now, is the day of salvation. It's going to be a good day. Do you remember the day where God, the Bible says, walked in the garden, in the cool of the day. That was a nice day. It was a beautiful garden. It was perfect. 
And in the cool of the day, that picture of peace, that picture of kind of tranquility in the cool of the day, God walked through the garden that he had created. But unfortunately, when that day happened, when he walked, there was sin hiding behind trees. But Jesus Christ walks again. That day was a very, very, very sad day for the whole human race because that day was the day they were excommunicated and expelled from the Garden of Eden. But God walked through that day and he saw sin and shame and people hiding behind trees because they had disobeyed him and that cast the whole universe into a fallen depravity and a crooked world. But this time Jesus Christ walks again by the Sea of Galilee and he sees fishermen. He sees fishermen fishing and listen to what happens as you read carefully because it's going to be a good day. Indeed, it's going to be a wonderful day. And if you can see Jesus walking in the midst of you, you will know how to respond. He sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea. They were casting a net into the sea because they were fishers. That's what the Bible says. They were fishers. In fact, if he moves, when he moves later on, uh, further down the, the coast, he sees James and John, his brother, and they were also out on sea. But these guys, they were mending their nets. See, this is, this is a picture of life, if you watch it carefully. You know, you're casting your net and you're mending your net. You're casting your net and you're mending your net. And these were the fishes because that's what they do. That's what they do. There isn't anything else they do. Like you and I, that's all we do. We live life. That's all to do. What else is there to do? You know, we go to work and we maintain it. We build our house and we maintain it. We buy a car and we maintain it. We cast our net and we mend it because we're fishers. That's what we do. That's what the scriptures, that's what they, there is nothing else for you to do. And that's unfortunate for you guys because there's nothing else other than for you to go to work and maintain everything else at home. Go to work and maintain your family. Do what you need to do because you are human beings. You're f- like fishers, fishermen. But Jesus, when he looks and he sees that, he goes, no, there's so much more than life than this. You're not made just to maintain things because unfortunately, everything in this world that you build, no matter what it is, even your, your money will eventually decay and it needs maintenance. It needs to be refurbished. It needs to be renewed, just like your life, your monotony, your existence. It needs to be highlighted. It needs to be thrilled. It needs to have a break. It needs to be maintained. And that's what we do because we live, but that's not the beautiful day that Jesus came to give. And so this is what happens. Watch carefully this passage unfold before our eyes. That's a reality of the presence of God in our life. And it says this, And Jesus said unto them, Come you after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You follow me and I will give you a purpose far greater than the purpose that you're already living at the moment. See, listen, fishing is a wonderful sport, isn't it? Like even if you hate fishing, (laughs) there's no stress in it, right? You're relaxed. You're at peace. You're at rest. But I'll tell you something, come and be at rest in something far greater than you can ever have imagined. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to catch the souls of people. 
far more significant than any other thing that will gratify your flesh. So when you fish for yourself, you fish so that you can consume and eat, and it's all about you. But come, I'll show you how you can actually make it about the souls of people, because in that, you're going to find life. And unfortunately, all you want to do, and imagine the disciples saying, oh, no, I just want to cast my net and I want to maintain it, like a lot of people. Just leave, leave it. I've got it. I just, want to, just, just, I just want to live my life simply. But you're missing out on this wonderful, wonderful thing to be a fisher of men. Listen, he goes on to say, for they forsook their nets and followed him. Now, when we read this passage carefully, Listen what it says. It says, and straight away, these were desperate people, straight away they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were mending their nets. And straight away he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And they went to Capernaum, and straight away on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. If anything that you learn from this passage is a desperation and an urgency over the things that really matter, straight away. Why? Because it's very significant. There's nothing more, more significant than this. Don't delay it. Don't slow it down because this is the call of God. Straight away, they responded. Now listen, that passage speaks about an urgency on two parts of of the relationship. One, the urgency of Jesus Christ working straight away for him he's an ever-present help in time of trouble straight away he's there the second part is you responding to that call straight away this is desperate it's not a lingering or a slumbering or a delay because we're talking about the eternal state of your soul straight away these men responded straight away jesus gave the message straight away he entered the synagogue and started preaching straight away they left their nets and followed him straight away it was urgent it was desperate the bible tells us that god does not delight in the one who lingers or slumbers or backslides in fact one saint said that he that delays is sin straight away because this is desperate days and there's no time to waste when something is so good. When something is so good, you and I, we don't waste it. We make the most of it. And if we can stretch it to have more of it, we would. But when it comes to the things of God, we delay it. Because there's a spiritual battle. But these men did not delay. Straight away, they moved. They followed. Now, I don't know if you recall, there's a, a character in the Bible that we teach the kids on Sunday school. Because it's so simple in its truth that we think the children will understand it. And it's a story about Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. You know the story. But you know how profound that story is? That a man who cheated most of his life was stealing from others because of his greed, because of his lusts that were in him. You know how powerful that story is? You don't get to hear about Jesus speaking about salvation, mind you, do you know? When Jesus talks to people, hardly the word salvation is on his lips. Most of the time, it's deliverance. It's saying, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be made clean? Do you want to be made well? They're the words of Jesus. But did you know when he speaks to Zacchaeus in his house, it's one of the very few times that the Lord Jesus Christ says salvation. So we understand salvation in light of the letters of Paul. Paul expounds everything that Jesus actually ever did. But the words of salvation 
how we kind of try to articulate today with doctrines and all different it was actually manifested it was demonstrated in the life of jesus and how he performed like when he healed the blind man that was salvation but he didn't say to the blind man do you want to be saved he said to the blind man do you want to see so when we talk about i'm saved not saved unsaved always saved forget about it do you want to be delivered from your sin do you want to be free do you want to be made whole do you want to be restored because this is what salvation is so this is Zacchaeus listen when he was walking the streets Jesus and all the crowd this man was so desperate Zacchaeus that the only means that he can get to Christ was to climb up a tree and he climbs up a tree, and no one knows the heart of this man. In fact, everybody was deceived in their thinking about this man, because they, all they saw was a sinner, like, you know, someone who was deceitful. But Jesus, when he was walking, he stops the crowd, he stops everything, and he sees this little short man up in the tree, and he says to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, quickly come down. Tonight, I'm going to abide in your house. Not tomorrow, not a week later. Tonight, I am going to abide in your house. I want to live tonight eating with you quickly come down desperate and then when jesus was there in his house because he responded quickly and he was abiding in his house the bible says this it says about Zacchaeus, he received him joyfully like when jesus spoke he received him joyfully the bible actually uses the word abode he abode in his house all these words are like like christian words receiving the word joyfully abiding but listen carefully when he was talking to him uh, that night, something was happening in the heart of Zacchaeus. There was a stirring in his life. Because it wasn't enough just to be happy. It wasn't enough just to be joyous. It wasn't enough just to have Jesus in my house. Something happened. And so Zacchaeus gets up and he says, I can't deal with this anymore. This is too much for me. The presence of Christ, his holiness, his teaching, his truth. He says this, I'm going to give half of what I owe to people. Half of my money, I'm going to give it to the poor. Half of it. And then after he says, and not only that, but anyone who I cheated, anyone who I, I defrauded, and anyone who I, I lied to, whatever it is, I'm going to give them four times the amount I've taken off them. And this is where Jesus gets up and he says, you know what he says? He says, I tell you, this night salvation has entered this house. Now I wonder to myself, I wonder if Jesus would have said that. I wonder if Jesus would have said that if Nicodemus didn't stand up and say, I'm going to. I wonder if Jesus would have said that if Zacchaeus, all he did was just take joy in the words of Jesus. I wonder if he would have said it if Nicodemus left home and just said, thank you, Jesus left. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for coming. I wonder if Jesus would have said, this night, this, this, this moment, this day, this is a good day. This is when salvation has come into the house. When there was a, a manifestation, there was a demonstration of the truth of God in a man's life and he was converted. You understand? And that is salvation. It's not just talking about Jesus and loving Jesus and coming to church and being happy and being joyous. It's not at all. It's about leaving your nets behind and stop trying to maintain life and just follow him. Let go and leave it. You know what the problem we have with Christianity the problem we have with Christianity is people are counseling or giving advice to people who are still in the boat. You're still in the boat. You haven't left your net and you're telling people to be comforted and to say, okay, God, God is still there. God, no. 
Jesus is moving. And you decided to keep maintaining your net. You understand? See, see, people struggle to follow Jesus. You can't counsel people to follow Jesus. There are people who struggle following Jesus. Counsel them. But you can't counsel people to follow Jesus because to follow Jesus, you've got to do one thing. Leave your net. Leave it. You either want to or you don't. But I tell you the truth. You leave your net. What a beautiful day. Today is the day of salvation. You leave your net. You don't need to maintain it anymore. It's not yours to maintain. It's wonderful. You can't counsel someone. Put your net down. That's by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the the faith. We carry each other once we've let go of the net. And then we're following after Jesus and occasionally I, I trip over a shell. It's cut my toe. Hey, brother, it's okay. Tell me a shell. Let's wipe it clean. Let's keep moving. But you're not tripping over shells when you're still in the boat. So he says to them, follow me and immediately, immediately. And when they were, they were astonished in verse 22, they were actually amazed. And this, this, is, this is the thing, you see. This is, this is what happens. This is why Jesus says, you can't follow me if you're still holding on to stuff. It can't, it's, like it doesn't, it's like mixing oil and water. You, it doesn't mix. Holding on to stuff and following me, no, it, it doesn't go. And they were amazed at this and they were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. There was something different about Jesus. He was actually teaching them like something that he was very, very confident about. Like the, the Pharisees and the hypocrites and casual Christians are never confident about anything of the faith. But see, Jesus, he was very confident. And when he spoke, he knew it and he meant it. They'd never seen this before. I'd never seen a Christian who basically is committed wholeheartedly to Jesus. I'd never seen a Christian who actually lives like Jesus. Because when you see a Christian who actually is like that, you listen to them because they speak with authority, not because they know it in their head, because the experience, the testimony of God's truth is actually real for them. They speak with authority. They'd never seen it before. And this is where their confidence was. See, their confidence came from the confidence of Christ because he was the real thing. How confident are you as a Christian? You put your trust in me, you put your trust in the pulpit, or do you put your trust in Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit that's transformed your life? Because I tell you the truth, if that's the reality of your, your faith, you will be a confident Christian. You don't need anyone to teach you, the Bible says, because the Spirit of God teaches you himself and he transforms you and changes you. You can be confident in what you decide. You can be confident in what you do. Sure, there's going to be doubts of the enemy, but you can be confident that God carries you and that whatever you do, you shall prosper. Because he turns all things good to them that love him. You can be confident. And they'd never seen this before. The Pharisees were hypocrites. The Christians weren't living the life. They weren't living the word. So they couldn't, they, they couldn't oh, you've got to be assured of your salvation. What's assurance of your salvation? The assurance of your salvation is the living, practical application of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
You can't have faith if you're still in your sin, no matter how you see it. You're never going to be assured. You can't, you can't remain in your sin and say, you know what, I still believe that you can, you can try, but you're not going to be confident. You're confident when the power of the living word is actually real in your life. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Um, here's a beautiful passage, the Isaiah. When you want to talk about confidence, the prophet says, then your light, then your light will break out like the morning. Like the morning, your light will break out. And your recovery, listen, your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Well, speedily. Give me time, I need time. Give, 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 me, give me a moment, I need to think about what you've just said. Now look, Jesus in this passage does something really wonderful. Well, the Holy Spirit penned down through the hands of men. Does something really wonderful. After this experience of follow me, follow me, follow me, and we're kind of wrapping our mind around what that actually looks like and what that actually means and how, and how people can actually straight away follow and, and some people say, oh, no, you know what, really straight away is like, look, it was really a delay, but the Bible just whatever. The Bible gives us a beautiful picture after this just to clarify what Jesus is trying to teach us through his, 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 his actions. He comes across straight away in the synagogue and he comes across an unclean man. A man that does not have the Spirit of God in him. You understand? A man that is actually ruled and governed by a spirit that is not the Holy Spirit. You understand? Now listen to the approach and to the conversations that Jesus has with this man. And you will learn a lot about the state of the heart of people, whether they're Christian or not Christian, where they're at when it comes to their faith. Because faith looks like this. Leave your nets. Follow me. It does not look like this. Straight away, he goes into the temple. And there in this temple, the synagogue, there he sees a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Listen, I'm going to break it down for you. See, because there's always, there's always a hindrance when it comes to God's word. Always. God's word is always going to be something that is going to be like a, like a, like a hammer to the head, it's not like a, like, a, like a butter to the soul, you know what I mean? And so there's always a hindrance. There's always a fight. There's always a battle that you guys have to wrestle out whether you believe or you don't believe. But listen to the conversation that happens with, with this man with an unclean spirit. He says, firstly, let us alone. That's the first words he says. Leave us alone. So is that what the disciples said with the fishermen? No, they didn't say that. But those people who you try to preach or evangelize, even Christians, leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. I need time. Leave me alone. Is that right? Isn't that <laughs> like when, you, when you're wrestling out your sin, what do you say to people? Leave me alone. You know how many people you counsel, how many people who go astray, how many people you call or you text, and they want to just be left alone. And they word it in a more righteous manner. But the devil just says, leave me alone. 
but inside is a camouflage. Leave me alone, lest the word of God shines in my heart and find grace. Leave me alone. That's not all they say, though, is it? They say, what do you want from me? It's an important question. <laughs> Leave me alone. What have we to do with you? What do you want from me? Where, uh, where, where is our connection? What is our relationship here? Like, you're light. I'm darkness. What do you want? What do you want from me? When you tell someone, leave me alone, or what do you want from me? They haven't understood their sickness and their illness. They're sick. I've got the medicine. But most people say, well, well, that's not the medicine I like to take. It doesn't taste good in my mouth. Most people would choose their own medicine and want to be healed according to the way they want to be healed because it's comfortable. But all they're doing, again, is maintaining their net. I remember speaking to someone who was, who was shattered, broken, abused by uh, drugs, addiction. And they repented, they, 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 they asked God for forgiveness, they, they prayed, you know. And then I said to them, oh, that's good, man, let's, praise God, let's, let's move forward now, let's, let's um, um, uh, walk after Jesus, um, start coming to church, you know, start praying. No, 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 no. I go, what do you mean? Nah, look, church isn't my thing. Yeah, I know, but... It's going to be good. It'll be good for you. Look, trust me. Like you come to church, fellowship. You know, no, no, no. I don't. I don't want to do that. So straight away, I know that no matter how much they cry, no matter how much they, they, they confess, when they choose to heal themselves according to their own way, they don't know what it means to leave everything to follow Him. Most people at that place leave me alone. Let me work it out for myself. But that's not how Jesus called us to leave everything. He told us, come, get off your boat. This is what it says here. What do you want from me? Have you come, what does it say? Have you come to destroy us? The third thought. God hates me. God doesn't want me. God wants to just destroy me. God's going to just want to send me to hell. Oh, who's God anyway? God is like a God of judgment. Like God's cruel. I don't agree. Has he come to destroy me? Have you? And some people fear to come to God because they think that God's out to get them. Like God, God's actually out there to destroy him. Did you know there's three, well, it's probably more, but there's three things that you can identify what Jesus did not actually come to do. You know that? Three things that Jesus did not actually come to do. I'll read them for you. One, I did not come to condemn the world. He says this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What have I to do with you, Jesus? Well, I've come to save you, not to condemn you. Have you come to torment me? No, I've come to save you. I didn't come to condemn you. What else didn't He come to do? He didn't come to be served. It says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but he came to minister and give his life a ransom for many. How good's that? So he didn't come to condemn me. He didn't come to say, serve me. He didn't even come to judge me. You know what it says? It says, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world. 
that doesn't make sense then. Because what do I feel condemned? What do I feel judged when I come face to face with Jesus? Because he's bright light. He's bright light. And he's basically saying, oh, look, look, I, I want to bring you closer. No, 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 I'm, I'm a sinner. I don't want to. But those who see their depravity, their sin, their brokenness, they, they, they come to Jesus because they find mercy, they find forgiveness. Those who want to stay in their sin never come to Jesus because they feel condemned because they want to stay in their sin. And God won't allow it. He won't allow it. In him is light. There is no darkness. But Jesus says, but listen, but one day, one day the word is going to judge you. See, one day... I've come to save you, you see, because I have all the answers to life and, and I'm giving you those, those truths um, and the fact that you reject them, the very words that I speak are going to come back at you. Like, like if you reject me now and you find yourself broken and outcast, well, the words that said you could be healed, the words that said you can be forgiven, the words that said you could be cleaned, become the very words that judge you while you're in your rut, while you're faced before judgment. So I've come to actually deliver you. I've actually come to save you from the wrath of God. I've actually come that, that to, to pull you out of hell. I, I didn't come to destroy you. I came to deliver you. But when you stand before God one day because you rejected my saving grace, you rejected my help, then those very words that I spoke are going to be the very words that are going to judge you. Because God's going to say, why? Did I not send you prophets? Did I not send you teachers and evangelists? Did you not sit in church day in, day out? Did you not hear the gospel that I gave you? And those words are going to be the very words that will judge you. God's word never comes back empty. It either saves you or judges you. You understand? But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came to show you, come, come, follow me, leave everything. What's the other hindrance to this saving faith? Well, leave me alone. What do you want from me? You just want to come out and destroy me. And this is significant. Demons themselves, speaking through this man, say this. I know that you are the Holy One of God. Bring this guy into the church today and everyone says he's a Christian. Because he knows Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God. He's a Christian. Hmm? You know what Jesus does here? He goes, shh. Look what he does. He does this. He goes, he goes, I'll read it for you. I know that you are the Holy One of God, and Jesus rebuked him. See, people, they try to justify themselves. Like, what do you want from me, man? I know you're God. Like, what do you want? I believe. I believe in him. He, shh. And he rebuked him. Because that spirit is not of God. See, because it's not in the knowing. It's the actual in the freedom. So you could know, but you've got a demon in you. <laughs> you could know everything that I am the son of God, the holy one. And you still got a demon in you. And he rebuked it because he, he doesn't, it's got nothing to do with salvation. Salvation is salvation. It's a freedom and a deliverance from the very things that oppress you and keep you enslaved and brings you into captivity. So you can say, I know the Holy One. And he goes, I rebuke you, demon. There's the hindrances. Hold your peace, he says. Stop. Stop talking. 
Just be delivered. Just be delivered. Do you understand? Now, this is what happens when a person comes close to this deliverance. It's going to hurt them. It becomes painful. And so what happens is the spirit begins to tear at him. And this is the point where someone's just about to really give it a go, but they find it painful because it costs something and it's suffering and the devil won't let you go and he will tear at you and do what he can (laughs) to destroy you, lest you say yes. This is what happens. So the devil, the demon in him began to tear at him, ready to destroy him. But after that happened, he was delivered. What is it going to cost you to follow Jesus Christ? Is it suffering? Is it going to cost you something? Is it going to cost you your life? I know it's painful, right? But I guarantee you, leave your net, leave it, and you'll be delivered. I think the biggest problem with Christian faith is the fact that people don't leave their nets. That's your biggest struggle. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, which light and it's easy. My yoke is light and easy. My yoke is light and easy. But the reason why you're troubled is because you don't carry the yoke of Jesus Christ. You're carrying the yoke of the world or the yoke of self, and you find yourself butting heads all the time when you're trying to be a Christian, but you're doing contrary to the things that Christ wants. But if you stop and you settle it, I am going to leave my life leave my livelihood, my lifestyle, my, 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 my money-making schemes, you know, and I'm going to leave it all behind. I'm going to just, just trust Jesus. I'm just going to just follow Jesus. What a good day that will be. What a good morning that will be, right? I don't know why you look so miserable. I've just told you, if you're miserable, if you're downcast, if you're in bondage, if you're in chains, it's because you're still casting your nets and you're maintaining it. That's all you're doing every day. I'm saying to you, Jesus said, leave it. Let it go. Follow me and you'll find freedom. Look at those hindrances and don't be like that. And he goes on and I'll finish here. And they were all amazed. Verse 27, they were all amazed in so much that they started to question among themselves, saying, what thing is this, man? What is this teaching? They were shocked. Because it's with authority he commands. And even the unclean spirits, they listen to him. Every unbelief that is in person, every demonic activity, every oppression, it actually listens to Jesus and he sets people free. What is this teaching? And the Bible says in verse 28, and immediately the name of Jesus Christ was declared through the whole world. You see, immediately. I wonder how immediate it would be if there was ineffective Christians. I wonder how immediate it would be if you weren't immediate and desperate and urgent regarding your soul and your salvation. You'd have this trinkling of the fame of Jesus Christ. But when people are desperate, when people are hungry, when people are urgent, when people are, are, are following, there's a power that transforms through the church, through the world, immediately. So don't linger long anymore. Don't say, I'm waiting for some lightning bolt. Don't say, I just need more time. 
don't say, oh, I don't know who he is and what's he want from me. Put that aside and imagine Jesus Christ walking through the pews this morning and saying to you, follow me. Follow me. Bow our heads and pray. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to continue maintaining your life? Or do you want to follow Jesus? The good news is that I did not make this up. You know, that's the most refreshing and most wonderful thing. I did not make this up. This is a proven track record to thousands and thousands of people who have decided to trust in Jesus. And this could be your truth this morning and it could be a wonderful morning for you. You can leave this house no longer attached to this world but free indeed. Now God knows why you're here and this is grace and that's the word that one day will judge you. But today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Listen, it doesn't matter where, you, where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how evil. It doesn't matter how broken. It doesn't matter. Before the Lord Jesus Christ, He is able in a single confession to make you new. And so do you want to be new? And you say, no, I don't want to. Well, then it's that word that's going to judge you because you've got given the opportunity to respond. I want you to bow your heads and just be still before the Lord and sincerely, you don't need to know much, you pray, you pray before God. He hears you, you pray, you pray before God. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm going to just give you this moment to pray. And don't, let it, don't disrupt it with any other thought than the thoughts that matter. If there's anyone in this room who wants to give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to put your hand up and I want to pray for you. If there's anyone in this room who wants to know the Lord Jesus Christ, your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone in this room who wants to follow Jesus? God bless you. 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 Those of you who put your hand up, the Bible promises you salvation if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ from the bottom of your heart and you confess him as your Lord and your Savior and you commit your life into his word, into trusting him and him alone, you shall be saved. He'll deliver you out of your sin, out of your shame, out of your guilt out of darkness. Do you believe this? 
If you say, yes, I believe this, it shall be done according to your faith. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to listen to the, the lies of the enemy. You can put your trust in Jesus. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, for those that unashamedly put their hand up to declare their faith humbly before you. You say, Father, that you give grace to the humble, those who confess you, live for you. Pray that you would make yourself known to them in a, in a wonderful way, that they are assured and guaranteed of your presence, that you heard them, that they know that you've heard them through the things that you do in them by your Holy Spirit. Pray, Father, that they would listen to your voice that says to them, go now and sin no more. You are free and free indeed. Thank you, Father, for this faith that we have through your word and the hearing of it. I pray, Father, you blessed this morning, every head bowed before you, every person that just received your word and your truth, those you've brought here, not by coincidence, but you want them to know this, Pray, Father, that you do not allow the devil to harden their heart, protect them for a time and a season till they confess you before it's too late. We give you glory and praise. We bring forth fruit of this word in people's lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.